dong. Welcome to the Continental Hotel. Do you have business here? Well, if you do, slide right into this podcast as we talk about John Wick Portobello. Toot toot. It's not the title. The VeggieTales version is going to be John Wick Portobello. Yep, the VeggieTales version of John Wick. I would love it. Imagine all the chop-chop action. And then it's also, like, surprisingly about the Bible. Oh, of course. I never saw one of those. But I remember um, as a kid uh, discovering later that, like, someone was like, oh, you know, those are all, like, Bible stories. Oh, yeah. I know that part. I haven't seen it. Anyway, welcome. <laughs> is that not relevant? <laughs> welcome, dear listener, to yet another episode of Box Office Time Machine. Hello, John. Hello, Veronica. How are you doing? I'm doing great. Uh, uh, it finally happened last week. Uh, ever since we started the show, we were talking about what would we do. Not if, but when. We knew it was coming. Uh-huh. What would we do? Much like John Wick. We knew it was coming. <laughs> Just like the Baba Yaga. When his dog has... When his dog has... Uh, you know, whatever. I started something, instantly bailed. Um, <laughs> That's the spirit of the podcast. Just like uh, John Wick himself, we knew it was going to come that a movie was going to be number one three weeks in a row. And we always had a plan... We were going to do number two or something. We were going <laughs> to figure it out. We were going to do something. And finally, <laughs> Avengers Endgame took number one three weeks in a row. And it turns out what we did was literally nothing. We took literally the week off. nothing. We took the week off. But you know what? I feel like that is also in the spirit of the podcast. We don't concern ourselves with the number two movie in mm-hmm. the box office. True. We concern ourselves with the number one. So for anyone who is desperately hoping for us to do a synopsis and review of Detective Pikachu, well, you should have bought more tickets. Exactly. Like, where were you? Go back into your time travel machines and buy more (laughs) tickets to Detective Pikachu. But now it's finally happened. It has happened. The end game has been ended. Oh, God. We have end gamed. (laughs) I don't know what that means. But you know what? A worthy movie, I would say. To, a worthy movie. To unsee the Avengers. Oh, well, let's uh, let's start. What What is your um, uh, uh, history with the John Wick series? Uh, wow, my very long history. Um, I So I caught up. So as all of America, I think I sort of resigned myself to not watching Keanu Reeves movies. Oh. And then... I heard that that one was actually good, so I checked it out on home video, and it was very, very fun. And uh, this, uh, so I saw the second one in theaters and loved it um, way. I think like I loved it way more than the original. I thought the things, and I guess we'll talk about it later, but like the things I like about. 
John Wick, like that universe were very much present in the second one. Uh, and uh, yeah, so that's, I guess, my story. Now I have seen the third one. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, uh, like you, I did not see uh, the original in theaters. Uh, like you, I heard that it was much better than one would guess. <clears throat> like you, I sought it out on home video. And that is where our paths diverge. Oh, no. Um, uh, the John Wick movies, uh, both one and two. Uh, I'll, I'll leave it till the end, or at least later, to say how I feel about number three. Oh, boy. Are all movies that always feel like they're just on the edge of being really fun. <laughs> and then they're like, boy, what fun ideas. What silly, crazy action this is. But hey, we did that for 20 minutes. Now pay up. You have to listen to three three hours of monologues about rules for a society that doesn't make sense. <laughs> See, that is my favorite part. <laughs> oh, that is... It is... In the first movie, they were doing monologues about John Wick himself. I know. That was so weird. And that was fun. Yeah. Because I cared. And now into... Okay, fine. Spoilers. The third one is the exact same. If yeah. you like the John Wick movies, it is identical. Up to and including having the exact same ending as the second movie. <laughs> That's true. I think... Yeah. Well, okay. So let's just like walk through the synopsis. And as usual, we will be spoiling it. Yeah. And I'm going to... Uh, I'll do my best to keep these action set pieces in chronological order. I, I mean, I think it's fine. Well, the part that's going to be the hardest to do a synopsis of is the first 30 minutes, which I'll say right now is the part of the movie that I loved. Okay. The first half hour, I was like, fucking finally. <laughs> finally, the silly uh, puppy assassin movie has become... I j All these movies, I've just wanted The Warriors. <laughs> Just be the warriors with a bunch of martial arts in there. And that's all I've wanted. And for 30 minutes, that's what we got. Mm. Um, but okay, we start immediately after the second movie. Yeah. For those of you who don't remember, uh, the these movies, I believe, have taken place in over the span of about um, three hours in universe time. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's, they say a few times, I think it's two weeks. It's supposed to be about two weeks since yeah, the exactly. first movie began. Um, so this starts immediately after the second movie, and in the second movie, um, John Wick broke the car one of the cardinal rules of the Continental of the of the Continental, and uh, uh, most importantly in this movie, as set forward by the High Table, which in okay, let's so the, in the world of John Wick, um, the entire planet is controlled by a High Table, is what they're called of. Of criminals, correct me if I'm wrong about this. Mm -hmm. uh, on on ne next week's episode, spoilers. I'll be doing the opposite for the same for you. <laughs> um, but for this one, you're gonna have to help me out. Uh, the high table are uh, uh, the highest of criminals, and then the world is run by many different organized crime under families. Under the table, under the, and they are under the table, and they live to serve. Yeah, um, and they uh, they have served, and they and they are, will be of service. Um, and while they may war with each other, they uh, uh, everything is kept pretty copacetic by the rules set forward by the high table. Also, in this world, I would say conservatively, 50% of the human population are assassins. <laughs> right. Or are aware of the rules. <laughs> yeah. It seems like... 
I don't know why they pretend this is a secret society. No matter who John Wick talks to, if he flips a coin out, that person's going to instantly be like, welcome to McDonald's. Oh, oh, I see, Mr. Wick. I'll bring you back to the fryer right away. Like, everyone's an assassin. I I like that part. Oh, I love it. Yeah. I love it when the movies acknowledge that it's fucking stupid. Yeah. So, like, scenes like the doctor scene in this movie, great. Well, when they're silly yeah. as hell, these movies are very fun. Right. So, okay. So, we start with John Wick. There has been a price on his head. He has been excommunicado. Yes, because he killed in in the uh, Continental, which is a hotel for assassins. A hotel for assassins. And is one of the many safe areas that are around the world as run by the high table. Yes. And they have some sort of... Um, an underground bunker of administrative assistance. Are like, they underground? I don't know. It felt like they were. I guess I don't know. Yeah. Uh, this movie loves uh, people dressed in like um, non-threatening outfits, but covered in sick tats. Well, like everyone in that <laughs> underground, I would assume, <laughs> uh, place dressed like they would shop at Mod Cloth. I don't know <laughs> if you know that website, but it's all for like... Uh, women who want to be girly but also have like tattoos and shocking hairstyles. It's it's uh uh it's like a 1950s like telephone operator's office mm-hmm. mixed with like a suicide girls reunion. Yeah. Uh but I I like all that stuff. <laughs> and they type on a very old-timey black and green computer <laughs> screen. No one has a cell phone. Everything is with a ledger, or people have cell phones, but no smartphones. Also, they get they get the word that John Wick has been excommunicado, and there's now a um, uh, a contract on his head. And it appears that they have a placard ready made for, I guess, every person on I Earth. I assume so, because they just fish out their John Wick uh, board and put it on the wall. Oh, well, their ready made and printed John Wick placard for Baba Yaga. Like it's like the same thing as like you you create the obituaries ahead of time for like important dignitaries. Fair, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, uh, this was inevitable. Yeah, I I like that they also kept announcing like every um, I assume every minute within like that like space of just like John Wick excommunicado commence in six minutes. Yeah, John Wick. 10, 9, 8. So at the end of the last movie, and this will be important in this movie, um, Winston, uh, who is played by Ian McShane, who's the head of the Continental, gave John Wick one hour of uh, a head start before he put the order in. Mm-hmm. So the um, what I'm going to call uh, uh, the good part of the movie takes place during this first hour. And John Wick, who has already been shot uh, at the end of the last movie, is rushing around New York trying to get things in order to fend off all the attackers that he knows are instantly going to come. He goes to all the New York, the coolest New York assassin spots. I'm talking the New York Public Library. Been there. I'm I'm talking (laughs) Times Square. (laughs) Yeah, he goes to like the most crowded spaces. So like he has, at the time that we catch up to him, maybe like around 30 minutes (laughs) until like when the movie starts. And he decides to take a cab in the rain. The cabbie, fortunately, also in the assassin world. Yeah, that was like the. I think that was the oddest one where it was like. I see again. I loved it. No, these movies should just be comedies. No, that was it was good. But I like that the cabbie was like, "Oh, of course, Mister Wick." 
It was like, I think what, maybe it was because the cab was so old timey. It was like one of those like rounded cabs. Maybe they're like certain assassin cabs. Well, to our listeners who aren't from New York. So yellow cabs will do, uh, do primarily Manhattan. Green cabs do outer boroughs, you know, your, your Brooklyn's or Queens and a blue cab. That means that it's an assassin. Of and course. you just have to get in and show your old cool card and sit tats. <laughs> and then that guy will take you to a gun place. So after uh, John Wick does a sightseeing tour of New York, yeah. he does end up at the Manhattan Public Library. Right. Well, he, he leaves his his dog he got last movie. He le- yeah. or Did he get that dog at the end of the first movie? He got it at the end of the first. Well, he leaves that dog with the cabbie. And then, yes, he is desperately trying to get to the New York Public Library. Why, we ask? Well, it's pretty funny. It turns out, (laughs) hidden in a book of Russian folklore, and I have questions about this, but it really shouldn't, it really doesn't matter, but he is basically a go box of, like, incredibly important items hidden in a carved-out book of Russian folklore Mm -hmm. in the New York Public Library. However, he has to ask the teller where it is located. Which means that either he didn't place that go box himself or they routinely move the books around. (laughs) And so no one has noticed that this book has been hollowed out and just contains a sweet, cool crucifix and a picture of John Wick's beloved dead wife. Well, it could also be that the library are also part of the assassin ring. <laughs> That's what I thought, but the uh, the librarian didn't seem that way. I don't know. She seemed like kind of nonchalant about him being bloody and stuff. Oh, so maybe... no one gives a shit. Well, in the la- in the second movie, who is it? He's having a gunfight with like a common, common? Yeah, inside yeah. the is that thing called the, the Oculus Fulton? or whatever yeah, yeah. the fucking thing's called, and no one cares. Right? No, you're right. I uh, but I I just assumed that it was part of it. But my thing is like. No one has ever opened this book ever. Like it seemed like like a random person just like looking through books. Have we ever seen police in these movies? Oh, uh, that's a good question. Because I've decided that I in my head canon, these movies take <laughs> place in the world where organized crime, uh, organized all the crime families all of every different type, organized to such an extent that they erased world governments. And oh, wow. so all of these societies are actually, all these like uh, countries and societies are actually run by criminals. And so, yes, literally every person on earth is actually an assassin. <laughs> That's actually an interesting hypothesis. Maybe they will show it at John Wick 4. Oh, is that the one where he really goes to war with the <laughs> evil assassins? The creamy mushrooms of movies. Uh, yeah. Spoilers. Remember the last movie where it seemed like he was going to go to war with all the assassins? Yeah, he kind of does. But guess what? Next movie, he's <laughs> really going to go to war with them. Uh, and so he just as he fetches his prized possessions, mm-hmm. which include a bunch of coin uh Sick coins. A, an amulet of some <laughs> kind uh a crucifix and i believe that's it yeah uh he is uh encountering a very tall man of eastern european persuasion yes this is a uh an nba player um uh here you'd probably be better at pronouncing this name than i would uh his name is Boban Marjanovic. I, uh, uh, in case you couldn't tell, I don't follow the NBA, 
but I yeah I pronounced it because I followed the when this gigantic man who could not act walked on screen and like pockets of the audience went oh wow <laughs> I went okay he's got to be an athlete yeah some he's kind. an athlete I assumed he was a wrestler but yeah I guess like he's very tall <laughs> he's he's I I make fun of he's it's not the most energetic line readings but uh, um. Uh, but I, I would say he's up there with Richard Keel in uh, Giant Men uh, yeah, uh, I had screen no, presence. I had no problem with him in terms of uh, what he needed to deliver. But he is cheating. Yes. So that was like a thing that wasn't really addressed. I think they like talked about it, sort of. But like he, I guess he did get his comeuppance. Because, also, spoiler, he gets curb stomped on a book. This is, again, we're in the first half hour, so this scene rules. They have an awesome fight with a book, where that book uh, of Russian folklore, um, which actually probably shouldn't be that uh, heavy, because everything's, all the pages have been cut out of it. So, actually... Maybe huh. it's made out of lead. Yeah, that's probably right. Yeah. Um, uh, he uses it to viciously bash in uh, yeah. this guy's jaw. But, um, but yeah, so, he, so it starts... Um, uh, uh, tall man uh comes in and he's boban. like boban and he's like hey john how's it going and john's like hey man how's it going and it's very fun and understanding he's like you know um uh we can fight here if you want and john's like the time's not up man he's like yeah but you'll de- you'll be dead so no one will really know <laughs> and like this isn't that far off from the dialogue which is it's actually very funny <laughs> yeah and so they uh, go at it, and uh, then John Wick, after defiling a library book, <laughs> runs away to this next destination. You better believe he leaves the body there. <laughs> Which is, is it the King's Theater? What, what, Tarkovsky Theater in this? Or does he go somewhere before? Well, first we go to the doctor. Oh, that's true. So yeah, so John Wick has been stabbed in the shoulder by Boban. Yep. Uh, and, and also shot in the last movie. That's true. Yeah, he's still like he's carrying some like bloody injuries <laughs> from movies ago. And uh, yeah, so he rushes to the kind doctor from the first movie. I forget if he was in the second. I don't remember. But this uh, is this is the best scene in the movie. Yeah, it was kind of he's like, OK, like, come on. I still have five minutes. Please help me. And uh, he's like, oh, OK, OK, I'll help you. And he starts sewing him up and then. The time expires, and he's like, "Okay, I can't do it anymore." So John Wick like proceeds to sew himself uh-huh. his shoulder, and then the doctor—that was like the funniest part. And he's like, "They're never gonna believe me that I stopped at the time that I stopped. So you have to shoot me." So he gives. So the kindly doctor is such a good friend. Oh, and by the way, this is the point where um, a dude sitting a couple seats to the left of us very loudly went, "That's a good friend." <laughs> but that's the thing. I felt like he was too good of a friend. Oh, I thought it was great. Just in this no, world, it, it John was... Wick's a celebrity, and and they're all so so immune to violence that they're just like. So he's just like, yeah, they're not gonna believe me. You better shoot me. John Wick shoots him once in a non-fatal position, instantly without even hesitating. The doctor winces for a few seconds and goes, "Yeah, you should probably do it again." <laughs> and John Wick again instantly shoots him. But see, going by that principle, like, wouldn't they also then assume that he had John Wick shoot them? Um, possibly, but uh, the high table seems pretty stupid, judging by the end of this movie. So. <laughs> 
Um, and by yeah. most of the rules they've set up. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we should talk about the rules in a bit. Uh, <laughs> oh, oh, you you mean that the second half of the movie doesn't talk about them enough? <laughs> Typically in 30-minute co- monologues delivered by Braun as a character we've never met and have no reason to care about? <laughs> uh, so, yeah. So, uh, so after he shoots the kindly doctor, I think then he heads down to Tarkovsky Theater? No, not yet. Not yet? That's when the movie gets boring. First, we have the... the okay, uh, you should do this. Yes. You're supposed to be running the show. I am. Uh, first, we get uh, uh, some of the... Because we're still in the good part. <laughs> we get uh, a couple of great fight scenes. So we've already had the, the library one. So now he heads... Oh, yeah. Um, okay. He yeah. gets chased into... An old-fashioned weapon store is what it appears to be. I think it's like an antique store. It appears to be like an an, an antique weapon thing. Yeah. And he gets in and he grabs some guns. Then he realizes the thing's a little unscrewed poorly. Uh, <laughs> we see a big gang coming up the stairs to get him. He goes through the whole process of unscrewing, screwing back in the gun, rearranging, refixing, clickety-clickety-clickety-click, puts one bullet in, a guy bursts, bursts through the door, he shoots him in the head, leaves the gun, and runs away. Yeah. And it's then, like... very it, fun. It's very funny. It's very deadpan. And then, like... A bunch of an insane amount of guys, uh, like turn up, and it turns into basically just like them throwing knives at each other, and it's kind of great. Yeah, he <laughs> knocks their guns away, so then everyone just starts elbowing the uh, display cases in the antique store, grabbing handsfuls of knives and just throwing them at each other. Yeah, and so the movie is like, it, it, for the most part, everyone is so skilled. In that, like, kind of, like, you know, martial arts movie way that's, you know, uh, everyone's just so amazingly fluid and incredible. And it's like a dance more than anything else. And in this scene, they're just chucking knives at each other. And only, like, half of them hit. Most of them just hit them with, like, most of them miss or bounce off them with the hilt. And it's very funny. (laughs) Yeah, it is very good. They're also, like, this is the scene where he, like, also, like, puts a knife inside someone's head, right? That was gross. Yeah, Yeah, remember the scene, um... Uh, in Saving Private Ryan, oh. where Adam Goldberg gets stabbed um, by a Nazi, and it's incredibly slow and awful. Uh, they basically do that in this movie, only instead of a Nazi, it's our hero, and instead of the chest, it's a guy's eyeball. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, there's that. That's the... I looked away for that. <laughs> but there's also... I think there are multiple times where he just, like, jams a knife, like, at the top of, like, someone's oh, yeah. skull and just, like, bashes it, like pushes it in <laughs> yeah it's uh it's like a weird thing to think about and then the scene ends of course with um we see a henchman slowly he's not dead yet he slowly pulls a knife out he's on the ground maybe he'll live and then john wick just turns a corner and throws a hatchet into his head <laughs> and then we go into i said that's probably the best scene of the movie we go into a, a, a close runner up then he's continuously chased they now chase him into the Central Park Horse Stables. <laughs> and uh, here we get one of uh, just a real great Jackie Chan improvisational fighting. Use what you have, but way grosser and dumber. Um, John Wick slaps a horse on the back, <laughs> causing it to uh, uh, frightened, rear up and kick a henchman in the face, killing him. Yeah, he does it twice. He does it to which, two like, different guys. Which you- would like if you're one of those guys, it would be like, okay, I better not stand behind the horse. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> he then, um, uh, he then, oh god. So then, like, he takes the horse out yeah. and he kills a guy by attaching the guy, the horse's reins to his neck and dragging him. So there's like, is he chased by motorcycles then? Like, and he no. is like riding a horse. He does briefly, but it's not the motorcycle fight that happens later. Right, uh, but like yeah. I remember, like he's on a horse on a road, and like yes. something happens. Is it like other people on horses? I think I forget. this is probably when we cut back to action at the um, action at the Continental. And thus, we will put a cap on the fun section Aww. of the movie. Uh, the section where a new fun thing was happening every few minutes. Uh, the characters were goofy. It felt like uh, it realized it was a comedy with good action. Um, but now, it's time to delve deeper into the exciting world of organized crime bureaucracy. Uh, we are introduced to um, uh, uh, Asia Kate Dillon who plays uh, a character known only as the Adjudicator. Where do I know her from? Do I know her from anything? Um, Asia Cake Dillon is, uh, uh, the actor uh, actually goes by they pronouns. Um, mm. And they, uh, or, you know, they, what is the word for that? You know, the, um, uh, something pronouns? Uh, whatever. Uh, non-binary? Yes, the actor is uh, non-binary and one of the first big non-binary TV stars. Uh, they currently star on Billions, a show Ooh. I do not watch. But if you watch any um, uh, cable news and see any stupid panel shows, uh, you will learn that rich assholes who do cable news panel shows love the show Billions. Of course. Watch MSNBC. Billions in the name. <laughs> watch MSNBC in the morning. There'll be a good chance you'll see someone on the Morning Joe panel talk about Billions. Oh, wow. Why are you watching Morning Joe? Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm here to keep abreast. <laughs> um, uh, when, when you're spending a lot of time just animating, uh, that just the TV goes on and it's just kind of on. Um, well, so but I don't watch Billions, so I don't know how, uh, Kate Dillon is there, but so here. So I have a question about that okay. then. So was, did I miss this? Were they playing a non-binary character in this movie or are they gendered? Um, uh, well, they their character doesn't even get a name. No, but like I assume a pronoun is used. I can't. I don't believe so. Really? No. Okay. I no, think uh, frequently curious. characters just say the adjudicator is here. That's true. Yeah. Um, uh, on billions, their character is specifically non-binary, mm. and they've had uh, conversations. I think I uh, heard a, uh, an NPR uh, interview with them, so cool. <laughs> that's the only way I know these things. It was some interview. <laughs> that's cool. But um. But yeah, I I don't know. Uh, uh, their their look is uh, as kind of like old school androgynousy as a lot of the characters' looks are in this movie. Yeah, I feel like I feel like also like the any idea of like a sexual attraction in this movie is like. <laughs> oh yeah, uh, these are not. These are not movies where people have sex. They either have a sacred love that died many years ago, or they are just here to shoot. Yeah. Uh, and so the adjudicator arrives. Actually, I really like the adjudicator. I guess we can disagree on this. Well, no, I, I, I think the character's fine. I just could have lost 20% of all of this. Well, I just... It was really the Halle Berry uh, journeys that were the most boring. Right. I agree with you on that. But, uh, so yeah, so they arrive, they have their own 
sort of black coin. It's a different coin that immediately uh, Cedric Daniels knows that it's... I don't know what Lance Reddick's character's name, uh, so I'm going to presume it's... Sharon or something? I assume it's... Lance Reddick plays the... um, Sharon. uh, the concierge, the concierge of the I just I would like to assume that it's Cedric Daniels from The Wire. Oh, yeah, <laughs> And yeah. that's where he went. Because <laughs> uh, also, uh, I forgot that in the first movie, Lester Freeman is in it for a little oh, is bit. It? And that's very cool. Yeah, he's um, he's the guy who, like, when, uh, uh, what's her name, Tyra from uh, Friday Night Lights uh, tries to kill John Wick. Like, when oh. he, like restrains her uh he uh lester freeman comes out of the of the other room and he's like do you need help with this and he's like can you babysit her and then she kills i do remember that yeah anyway unrelated uh well she had kind of they had kind of a sexual flirtation didn't they Barely. I guess, like, in the confines of this movie, yeah, they had, like, Rick Rawling chemistry, but, yeah. Yeah, so so, um, the adjudicator comes in and reveals that because um, uh, Winston did not have uh, John Wick killed at the end of the second movie, he is in big trouble with the high table and has seven days before his replacement will be named. Now, were they always going to kill him, or was that only if he didn't uh, quit uh, by his own free will? Uh, kill Winston? Yeah. Uh, that's a good question. I I don't know. I feel like because, like, there are such, like, clear set rules, mm. you could expect that, like, you could walk out of this alive. But then again, it is treated as such an achievement John Wick was able to do it. Yeah. That I'm not sure. That's well, a good question. Because I assumed when uh, the adjudicator says um, you have seven days to make your affairs in order, like the way that Asia K. Dillard, Dylan delivers that line, it would appear that he's he's been dealt a death sentence. Right. And that's also kind of the way they treat the other people who get this. get. But uh, except for, uh, what's his face? Uh, oh, God. Lawrence Fishburne? Uh, no, uh, oh. Well, Angelica Houston, they just cut her. They don't, uh, I don't think they kill her. Right, no, the sushi chef, what's his name? Oh, well, he gets, he didn't help, uh, he didn't help, he was, they were hiring him when they went to Greenhead. Yeah, but it seems like Angelica Houston was just, like, stabbed through the hands. Yes. So it seems like you could conceivably maybe walk away from it. But it, I agree with you that the way that it seemed that it might just be the I I think the later meeting where the adjudicator's there and they say, um, so you're you're not stepping down, and then they make that phone call, I think that's when it becomes a death sentence. Mm, Okay. Um, But when I first watched it, I thought he was already doomed. Oh, I I don't think I assumed that initially. But, like, now that we are talking about it, I don't know why I didn't. I thought, oh, okay, so he has... I mean, I knew that he's not going to give up. Like, that was pretty obvious. But, like, <laughs> I didn't know, like... I guess, like, it didn't even concern myself with what their plans were for him because I assumed, like, it's not going to happen. All right. <laughs> All right, we've, talking for, we've talked for longer than anyone cares about the rules of this fictional world. What oh, are we, characters longer. from this movie? Um, so the adjudicator's there. Meanwhile, John Wick goes to a theater uh, where a ballet is being performed. 
Uh, like wh- another, yet another, like a lot, a woman with, and like a lot of tattoos for a mm-hmm. ballet dancer. I feel like that's something the creators of this movie like. They like. Love tattoos. They clearly love, love neon and tattoos. Yeah, like a lot of lens flares. Well, I got the impression. <laughs> so this is where um, uh, uh, the Belarus uh, uh, organized crime is headquartered in this um uh is this what theater is this well this is from the inside it's king's theater in brooklyn mm-hmm. but it's called like Tarkovsky theater in this world yeah and then also it, it is uh somehow connected to a mansion which seems like a lazy reference because Tarkovsky has nothing to do with this i don't know uh, um, but yeah, so they go into this theater. It's closed, but of course, John Wick flashes a coin. They let him in. Angelica Houston is watching this ball- ballerina performing just for her. It, it turns out she runs this crime family. And it this is actually, it appears, a school that trains assassins. Um, and ballerinas. Well, I think the ballerinas were assassins. I think that you was think just... You think so? I think, see, as someone from a Russian background, mm-hmm. I actually think... That they are just ballerinas. I think at first, well, I think the tattoo, the tattoos, clears well, it. and I the fact that they're wearing like, torn dance clothes. I think they come like, in here. They're actually good ballerinas. They are, but I, I think in this world, she just makes her killers. Uh, this is just one of the things she makes them learn. Because like we see them doing sparring practice, and then like we see this. Do same, we? Yeah, because they walk by, and she says to John Wick. Uh, bring back any memories because it beca- it's made clear that this is mm. where he was raised. I guess I really didn't because like from my like it's such a very Russian thing mm-hmm. to like be I like in no matter what like world you are like you still are gonna have your kid like do ballet or like music lessons or something so it very much felt like yeah we can be in the underworld but of course we're still cultured people so we're gonna support the <laughs> ballet and the arts like- i think this is less a nuanced <laughs> commentary on uh, russian love for ballet <laughs> as it is just easy shorthand that the russian mob does ballet the same way when we meet the Japanese mob, they are literally working in a sushi bar. Yeah, I guess I sort of, I, I, I feel sad that your explanation makes more sense. <laughs> but I, I actually, I thought, that, I thought that was kind of fun that that's one of the things she trains. Because I was also like, why are these, why are these criminals such good ballerinas? Mm-hmm. Um, but anyway, so John Wick talks to her. I would love to see a movie, by the way, where like, Oh, young John Wick, the ballerina. Uh, uh, give it a few years. There's oh, no way that will not come out five <laughs> years after Keanu Reeves retires from the role. Oh, but maybe he would somehow play like an old like master or something. Oh, so something like the uh, next Die Hard movie that's coming out next year. Oh, really? where it's oh. Bruce Willis and then they flash back to a younger actor as John uh, McClane in the 70s. Oh, my God. I yep. would hate that. It's the Godfather Part 2 version of Die Hard that we all wanted. Oh, did you? I, I mean, this is a digression, but did you see the Chernobyl Die Hard? Wait, what? Like the last. Die oh, Hard. oh! I was thinking about the HBO show. I'm like, I'm like, what happened on that show? <laughs> uh, no, I did. I have not seen any of the uh, is... post uh, uh, die die hard with vengeance. So, movies. first of all, live for your die hard. Totally has a reason to exist. It's a super <laughs> fun movie. Is that the one with Timothy Olyphant? Yes. Okay. So super fun has super fun set pieces. I really dug it. And then this one was just 
woof. Oh. <laughs> it was such a rough movie to Is that one with his son? Yeah. Oh, my God. It's like some guy who's like... I forget his name. He was so boring. It's just like everything was so bad. Anyway, unrelated. Don't watch that movie. Uh, And so, yeah. So the reason for the season for why John Wick is there is because the crucifix gives him a ticket. Yes. So apparently, um, uh, as we find out, if you are a member of this, uh, this crime family, you are giving this crucifix... Uh, and that gives you a ticket for, it seems, one big favor. But once you use it, you are excommunicated from this crime family. Yeah. Oh, we also learned that John Wick's real name is Jordani oh, Jonovich, yes. which is such a bad name. Well, I've been so bothered by the fact that, um, to me, and I'm sure there are people out there who don't do it this way, but to me, Jonathan, the short version of Jonathan is John J-O-N. J-O-H-N is a different name. Right. So everyone calls John Wick Jonathan, and it's always annoyed me. <laughs> um, well, as a Jonathan. Yes, as an actual Jonathan. <laughs> but so this movie, we find out he's not even a Jonathan. He's a Jordani Janovich. Yeah, so where did the Wick come from? <laughs> I, because he's quick like a candle. I don't know, like Jack Splat or some shit. Oh, yeah, I don't know. It was, it's just so silly. I... Because I, I mean, like, the whole, like, Baba Yaga thing. I think we should talk about, like, the Russian elements in this movie a little bit. Not in this movie, but in the trilogy at some uh-huh. point. But it's just, like, I didn't think that he was actually Russian. <laughs> like, the whole thing was just so weird. And the fact that, yeah, I don't know. I guess it didn't li- really square with my impression of the character up to that <laughs> point. I was like, oh, really? Oof. Well, like... Like everything post movie one, it's a detail about from his backstory that is uh, uh, not fun. It's not like unlike the in the backstories in the first movie, it was just enigmatic things about how crazy a killer he is. Right. And now it's like also he was raised in a theater. But so here's the weird thing: I, as opposed to you, love the lore. The lore. Yeah, I think this this is a big digression right here. I could not give a shit, and if. I'm fine with it as long as the movie treats it as silly as it is. Right. No, and I think, like, for the most part, it does. I think, yes, I agree with you. In this movie, it kind of, like, veers off into, like, a lot of detail. But I still really like it. I'm one of those people who loved season five of Lost because we got a lot of information about the the Dharma Initiative. Yeah, that's when you find out a lot about the Dharma Initiative and, like, where they store their food. And, uh, Are you glad you learned all that? Did it really pay off in the end for you? N- well, no, we can we can do a different podcast about that. <laughs> but like, as it was happening, so like, I like the lore of the world. I actually don't want to know anything about John Wick. Yeah, like, I agree. Yeah, I the I want to know more about the world. But John Wick is like, okay, he's like this feared assassin. That's all I need. Done. What these feel like to me is. Um, First up, all I've wanted from these movies is for them to become the warriors. Because that's what it feels like the most to me. It's a crazy underground crime crime organization that lives in the sea, in the shadows of our world. However, it's super fun. Mm-hmm. And we're just going to make it fun and we're going to play up how silly it is. And the warriors, yeah, you know what would look cool? A gang of baseball players. <laughs> um, and I, I love that. And I, there are times when these movies feel like it, but if these movies feel like if the Warriors was like, all right, 
Now let's take a break to find out how that DJ got her job and what she feels is the best way to deliver uh, the news and her importance in this society. Lynn Thigpen, please give us a 10-minute monologue. Uh, I wish I could get this reference. I've never seen The Warriors. Oh, you've never seen The Warriors? It's very funny. I should watch it. I, I, mean, I hear good things. Like the martial arts, like the, the fighting there is, uh, you know, much simpler. Mm-hmm. Um, but just the world is so fun and that like we only learn enough to keep it fun and continuously moving. Mm-hmm. Um, but so in this movie, uh, John Wick would like to pay his ticket to get to uh, Casablanca. Uh, so they take his cross from him and brand him with it. Mm-hmm. And then uh, I believe that we see some more action with the adjudicator. The adjudicator goes to meet um, Lawrence Fishburne, who we met in the last movie, who was... Um, uh, the, the he, bird he, man he of the underground. The, the uh, what are they called? The 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 barrow? What does he call it? The Bowery. The Bowery, Jesus. Yeah. Uh, he runs the Bowery, which are homeless assassins. His right hand man is Jason Manzukis. That is so great. <laughs> Just such a delight. <laughs> Whose uh, only line in the movie is TikTok, Mister Wick. <laughs> I just like because. Yeah, you just know that he's a fan and he got to be in the movie and I'm just so happy for him. Uh, No, but so those were like, I guess like to solidify my lore point Uh is that like the reason why I like the second one a lot is that they introduced a lot of depth to this Mm -hmm. world and like a lot of like, oh, there are other continentals and like all these rules. And but in this one, it just seemed that they're like, just complicating things like they didn't even like add a lot of new detail it's just like oh but like it's not quite like this they're like you thought that it's one thing but no it's only this if a happens but if b happens it's this and like and yeah that was like unnecessary to me yeah i think i wouldn't mind as much if i thought the fight scenes later in the movie in any way um, equaled the fun that, that they were in the beginning of the movie. Right. I felt like they became more repetitive and more relying on shooting. Yes. Uh, 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 I was going to bring up, I, I just listened to um, uh, Film Spotting, the Film Spotting podcast, and they reviewed this movie. And they uh, uh, they also felt that the, the fight scenes dropped off when it was just shooting. Right. And all the, all the fight scenes later in the movie are just shooting, and this really starts when he goes to Casablanca and he meets Halle Berry, who is the the Winston of the Casablanca Assassin Hotel. Right. Um, she probably has a character name. I don't know what it is. Her character is super irrelevant. Her name is Sophia. Um, yeah, she I like, like Halle Berry. What, what, there was, what was the purpose of yeah, anything that happened in this subplot? Yeah, I don't know. That was that was probably my biggest disappointment, like, that entire sequence, for sure. She's only in, like, three scenes. Like, that and the sequence right after, I think, are, like, my least favorite things. Yeah. Uh, but it is... So, in the trailer, it seems like they make it seem like they're just going to be, like, partners in crime. Yeah. And she is literally there for... Like, we're going to, I guess, describe the scenes, but she's literally there for two scenes and then to drop him off at a desert. Like, that's all she's there She's there for. And it's like, why? Like, why? <laughs> I think the main problem is just they're non-exciting scenes. She yeah. comes in, they give really generic, like, action movie kind of like, like, uh, you should have never come here. But Sophia, I helped you that time. You didn't help me enough for this. 
You promised anything. I didn't think that thing would be this thing. Come on, it is this thing. All yeah. right, but I won't like it. But that's the thing, like, you... Also, listener, you think John is exaggerating, but not by much. This is like literally <laughs> That's pretty the dialogue. close. And I was, yeah, like the writing and the scene. It's supposed to be like I think sort of like the face-off between like two giants of whatever this world is, like these two big badasses. But like, yeah, the dialogue is so stilted that you're like, okay, just get move on. Like, what? Yeah, let's could... let's move the plot along. <laughs> From what we gather, at some some point in the past, uh, back when she was in the field, before she worked in a hotel, she had a daughter. She realized people were going to kill her daughter, so she had John Wick help uh, get her daughter to safety. John Wick knows where her daughter is, but she has martyred herself by purposefully never knowing where her daughter lives, because the moment she knows where it is, where the daughter is, then people can use that information to get to her daughter, why they would want to. You'd think they'd want to get to the daughter to get to her. But right. we, who knows? Maybe her daughter's Superman. But also, we don't find like, out. like, you know, I think, yes, women should have it all, a family and a career. <laughs> but also, like, you know what? You also don't have to be an assassin. <laughs> if you like your daughter, go be with your daughter. Um, but she, like John Wick, loves dogs. She's got a couple of attack dogs, and they bring it on a mission to go see her old boss... Uh, I forgot the actor's name, so, yeah, but so, he's Bronn by Ga from Game of Thrones. So what is his role? So like, if she is the Winston, who is he in this universe? He is her old boss. I think presumably he used to run the hotel. Right, but what does he do now? So he's like her superior still, right? I or like, guess. what is? Because like, it was definitely sort of a status issue. Like he seemed to be higher status. What, what is his actor's name? Maybe maybe Wikipedia will help us out. Um. No. Is his name Zero? Um. Oh no, that was uh. uh oh, Jerome Flynn. Uh, it just says he plays Barada. I don't know anything about him. The mm -hmm. Wik Wikipedia doesn't even give they give a description of most of the characters. He's in the bottom of the also in the movie group, and yet he has conservatively an eight-hour-long monologue. <laughs> Yeah, which is, again, not interesting because I was not clear on who he was. He talks about the rules for hours and then reveals he's just going to kill them anyway. Yeah. It's... He's like, I want... Yeah, I think he, like, wants... Like, so I guess they needed him in order to go because at this point we are... It is revealed that there's someone above the high table... Which is yeah. this guy. Well, he is the elder. He's the head of the high table. Yeah. So he's, I guess, yeah. So he's like the head of the head table, head of the top table, whatever. Anyway, and I guess like this person was supposed to like allow them passage to see him. Yeah. But then it seems like they didn't really need him because well, he was like, you have to go to the desert and you have to walk until you're dead. And then you have to walk some more. And then if he wants to see you, he's going to find you. Which this is what's he tells them how. So, yeah, that's you go to the desert and either if the elder wants to see you, he'll save you from dying. If not, you'll just die. And uh, Bron, I'm just calling him Bron. I guess his name is Barada. Barada tells him this and then reveals he's just going to kill them anyway. So him telling them this long story about how to meet the elder was pointless, although it's not a point because 
Uh, I mean, maybe Barada talked to the screenwriters and so he knows he's about to die. Um, so he gives them the pertinent information anyway. But um, but yeah, it's like, we've just met Sophia. We haven't gotten any reason to meet Sophia. So then Sophia takes him to meet Barada. We don't have any time to get to know who Barada is or have any reason to care about him. Barada then takes John Wick to see the Elder. We meet, We have no reason to give a shit about the Elder. Most of these characters don't get names. It's just, all of this section is stupid. Like, we can just... It takes forever in the movie. Um, the movie's not short, but we can just skip through this. Basically, in the end, the El- they- John Wick meets all these people, all these character actors. There's a boring gunfight, not nearly as interesting as the fights early in the movie, where they kill Braun. Then they go, he walks through the desert. So Braun shoots a dog. I think that's important. Yes. So, like, Braun shoots a dog, even though we know that the dog is wearing, like, a Kevlar thing. Mm-hmm. But he shoots a dog. And Halle Berry is hidden her guns under the. Yeah. So now there's like a shootout. And then like they go and all the citizens of Casablanca seem to attack them. And I think they have like a kernel of an interesting fight idea of just like the dogs being part of it. Just like. But but it goes on for like five or ten minutes of just like a like the same thing over and over and over again. This movie is this scene is gone from my head. Whereas the the fight between two guys in a library was a thousand times more yeah, exciting. Yeah, and it, it was like, it was all the time it was like the dog snatches at whatever limb of the assaulter. Yeah, and mostly then, testicles. And then John Wick shoots them in the head. That's like all it was. It was a semi-cool moment of like the dog jumping over like Halle Berry mm-hmm. to get to like an assassin on like a tall like wall or something it's in the it's in the trailer that like uh, yeah. one of those shots they just repeat it five times yeah that's the thing like it seemed to be going almost in a loop of like it happens again and again and again so like finally they escape and then they go to the desert and then like Halle Berry just abandons him and pieces out and then you're like okay why was Halle Berry in this movie like I don't know and then yeah John Wick of course is being rescued by so here's my question for you about this elder guy like, you is, like, just a movie watcher, John. Yeah. Who did you expect to play him? Oh, uh, did you? We have set up that every everyone John Wick usually meets in these movies is some kind of recognizable character actor. I did not recognize this guy. Like, this guy, so he was in Wonder Woman. Like Oh, do you, like, do you think they tried for some big name for this role? Like, that's, like, they build him up so much that, like, if he's, like, such an important... He is the head of the fucking table. He's also... Like, he seems a little young for that job. Yeah, like, I don't know, but, like, I thought someone or, like, someone with, like, char- a charisma or something... Not that this actor... I'm sure this is a fine mm. actor, but just, like, what he is, like, working with, like, what you are building towards doesn't really justify what we get. Yeah. Like it, I thought this, like this is supposed to be like a big sort of an emotional climax for the character because he like reveals why he wants to keep living. He like gives up a finger. Mm. He gets like there's like all these like t- like emotional beats that they hit, but like none of the like the actions happen, but none of like the actual emotional weight of any of it m- seems to matter. Like, yeah. I don't know. It was just a, like, I was the most disappointed by that scene, even, like, more than Halle Berry. It was just like, why are we there? Like, this was unnecessary. And I think the problem is the John Wick movies are a little repetitive in that it's either a fight scene 
or it's a scene where John Mitwick meets an enigmatic character who talks forever. And we've had, at, at this point of the movie, Angelica Houston, then Halle Berry, then Braun, then this guy. And, like, that's been John Wick's story that for the entirety of Act 2. Right. Um, so, yeah, it's not exciting. But basically, the guy says, the high table will forgive your... Uh, your crimes if you go back and kill Winston, his good friend Ian McShane, uh, for us because his seven days are up. Meanwhile, back in New York, we're seeing that the high table means business because they've uh, cut up uh, Angelica Houston's hands for protecting, uh, for helping John Wick, and they've also uh, given Lawrence Fishburne seven slashes uh, I feel like, that are yeah. super duper fatal until they're not. Uh, uh, at the end of the movie. Yeah, I thought he was dead. Well, but, they appear to slit his throat. Right. Uh, but also just, I feel like the the punishments are like, like symbolic, but only to like an extent. <laughs> like they're sometimes symbolic, but sometimes they're just whatever. Yeah, the, yeah. there's a lot where the adjudicator's like, you uh, you gave John Wick seven bullets, so you get seven cuts. Yeah, but then, like, there's no rhyme or reason for, like, if Winston gave him an hour, we give you seven. You get one week. <laughs> yeah, it, it's just weird. Anyway. That... seemed like it was always seven, and then it's the adjudicator's job to try to make it make sense with yeah, the just, crime. Yeah, like, just improvise. Add some color. Find, find some seven there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, um, it's up to you. It's open to you. So anyway, uh, so uh, the high table has this uh, uh, Japanese gang that is going around um, uh, uh, killing all the people who helped John Wick and waiting for John Wick's return. John Wick does return and heads to the... Does, does he go straight to the Continental? He goes to Grand Central. Oh, God. Right. So I was so zoned out after this fucking... Uh, the Europe section. Oh, it was also unnecessary the, uh, for him to uh, go Africa there. section. Uh, but yeah, so he comes... So he is sort of semi-confronted by Zero, I think his name is. Yeah, Zero is the mm -hmm. sushi chef. And they almost fight, but then he escapes on a motorcycle. Ah, that's the scene? Yeah, not before... Not before they just, like, kill two assassins who want to assassinate John Wick, mm -hmm. like, in a crowded Grand Central, and all, New York no ignores. Because they're yeah. all... Everyone in New York's also an assassin. Uh, and so, yeah, so then there's another action sequence, which was kind of cool. So they are uh, this, uh, the sushi chefs, I will call them. They chase John Wick on a bridge. And, uh, yeah, there's just, like... Uh, it's oh, a sword fight on motorcycles. Yeah, exactly. Um, it is legitimately cool. This is the yeah, best part cool. of the second uh, half of the movie. Uh, it's mostly in the trailers. And mm -hmm. I had watched this part of the trailer a lot. And this was the part that was making me excited. So unfortunately, mm -hmm. this I basically already see this, uh, this thing. But it is a, a very cool bit of stem work. They yeah. fight with swords on motorcycles. John Wick escapes. I guess then goes back to the Continental. So, yeah, so he gets chased to the Continental and oh, he gets right. thrown off his motorcycle and Zero is about to kill him, but he touches the first step of the intercon uh, the, in the Continental and uh, Cedric Daniels comes <laughs> out and he's like, uh, 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 he's on, which is like, I'm. That's the thing. I feel like that the lore, that's another problem I have with the lore in this movie is that, like, they just violate their own rules. So, like, he's... Well, I think John Wick certainly gets preferential treatment at yeah. this hotel. He, like, gets... 
So if he's like excommunicado, he it shouldn't matter. Yeah, like he also they should be able to kill. Oh, okay. Well, I want to talk about. Um, uh, we're not there yet. The one thing I want to talk about. Okay. Uh, but and so then he is. They're both ushered in. And then Zero has, like, this weird, like, fanboy moment, which I thought was cute. But then I thought there would either be more of it. Like, I don't know. It's just, like, so there's, like, a whole thing of, like, I always wanted to fight you. Like, this is, like, a cool yeah, thing. Yeah, they're, they're waiting on a couch for a meeting with Winston, and he can't kill him. So instead, the Zero, who, the sushi chef, who's been presented as a stone-cold killer, drops it and is just like, hey, man, it's an honor. This, yeah. is, this is fucking great, huh? Yeah, and I thought there would be kind of more of that because that was like kind of a cool thing. But there was I feel a little like bit. He has a great line um, at the end when he's about to die, right? And he says, "Hey, John, but that was a pretty good fight, huh?" But I feel like there's not enough of it. I feel like they only just do it twice, and every other time that they talk, it's like more of like him just being like an evil lord, sort of waiting for him. Well, we soon go into another boring shooting fight. Right. Um, but anyway, but, John, uh, we can speed things up. John yeah. goes into the hotel, meets with Winston. The adjudicator returns. John's about to kill Winston, but instead Winston declares to the adjudicator that he is refusing to step down and is going to war with the high table and asks John if John would like to help him out. John sides with Winston. And so John, Sharon, and Winston prepare for battle. The adjudicator calls in the forces the high table send their best, and if you're hoping for a warrior-style scene where all different types of assassins from all around the world, which was what was promised at the end of John Wick 2, mind you, right. all converge in the Continental, no. You get two armored trucks filled with about ten guys in uh, body armor. Yeah, they're basically all, just All black guys. body armor. There is nothing visually interesting about them in any way. But so they have a fight uh, with a shooting where Winston locks himself in a vault so he can just, uh, in McShane, can just coolly drink uh, liquor while they right. fight. Sharon and John, they shoot the guys with body armor. However, their bullets don't work. So they have to, this was this is kind of cute. They have to give each guy like four different headshots. Right. They then, but then they find out that they have better bullets. Yeah, it turns out <laughs> that the solution um, uh, to their gun problem was that they should just get better guns. <laughs> um, why they didn't start with better guns. Although we did see, so they got shotguns and we did see that they have to keep reloading the shotguns. Right. So that's why they didn't get them. No, I get it, I guess. But yeah, it's just like, that was a boring fight. Yeah, this, all the gun stuff in this movie was not nearly as fun as the other stuff. But fortunately, we then go back to the uh, sushi uh, gang. They fight in this um, tower in the Continental that's all glass. A lot of shattering glass in this movie. Which I feel like wasn't there. So I rewatched the first one before this, but mm -hmm. I haven't had a chance to rewatch the second. I feel like there was a very, a scene that was very close to that in the second that was playing around with sort of like reflections and mirrors and stuff. It kind of felt yeah. derivative of like another scene that they all already did. I, I don't remember, but I, it, it was fine. The, the movie's very, how long is the movie? It's more than two, two hours, hours, right? Yeah. yeah. So this was, I, this was, but really, it's that second act that kills the energy. <laughs> so like by this point, it's like, all right, let's move it along. So they fight, they fight, they fight. Um, John Wick, fight, 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 fight. <laughs> John Wick kills the sushi chefs. 
Uh, Zero has that fun line about it being a great fight. Then he dies. And then uh, the adjudicator calls Winston and says, let's have a parlay. They meet on the roof. Uh, the sun has finally come up. Uh, they meet on the roof of the Continental. And Winston reveals in a scene that, I don't know about you, but in my mind barely made sense, <laughs> that this was all a secret twist. This was all a plan of his to prove how strong he was so that the high table, who very much seems incompetent and stupid, then will go, all right, dude, you're pretty cool, uh, <laughs> and forgive him of his crimes, but only if he kills John Wick, which he quote-unquote does by shooting John Wick. John Wick falls off a building. However, Jason Manzuka saves him. How he survives falling off the building who knows? Doesn't matter. Turns it's out... John Wick. He's Baba yeah. Yaga. Lawrence Fishburne also survived being slashed by samurai swords. And they go, guess what? Now we're really going to war with the high table. Last time was a lie. This time for real. Well, End of movie. Well, it seemed like previously they he wasn't going to war with the high table. He was... Like, the promise of this movie from the previous movie was supposed to be... Yes, he is gonna escape all the world assassins who yes. want to kill him, and instead, it did end up being like, oh, he created a bureaucratic problem for the high table <laughs> that they want to resolve, which yeah is less exciting. When you uh, promise that every assassin, in, every assassin in the world is coming for him, and that's the end of the second movie, that he is walking through New York while every single person around him is looking at their phones, and it's like, oh no, he can't know, he has no idea who's an assassin and who's not. Anyone could be an assassin. We see little old ladies looking at their phones, and we don't, we do that for twenty minutes tops in this movie, and then it's just he goes to Africa while everyone else just debates bureaucracy. Right. And, and it's like that that example of like um, uh, when the high table sends everyone and it's just those two trucks of indistinguishable goons in, in uh, body armor. And there's another example when uh, Winston goes against the high table and um, they they say that the Continental is de is unsegregated uh, or uh, uh, de, uh, uh, de it's uh, sacrament. De it's, um, de Consecrated? Oh, yes, deconsecrated. It's consecrated land. They deconsecrate it. We then see a bunch of assassins in the lobby. Um, uh, their business is not going through because the, the Continental is not in business. Did you not expect they were all going to get an yeah. announcement and then all start shooting each exactly. other? Exactly. I was. Why did that for... not happen? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah, I feel like they're missing some like very more interesting things about the Cause lore. With, with all the Tyra from Friday Night Banks, uh, Friday Night Banks, Friday Night Banks, <laughs> Friday Night Lights, Tyra Friday Night Banks. <laughs> I, you know what it was? I was thinking Tyra Banks. Oh, of course. Again, um, <laughs> uh, the Tyra stuff from Friday Night Lights in the first movie. It's implied that all these assassins. Are like if the rules weren't there, would kill each other. Right. So we finally we have a situation. It's the climax in this movie where suddenly the rules no longer apply, and then instantly they're all gone from the lobby. So we can get a boring shooting scene. Why not a scene where? Uh, uh, how fun would it be right. to just cut to this hotel lobby and instantly every single guest start flipping over tables and shooting at each other? Yeah. We don't have to follow it that long. Just it's like. It could be like uh, uh, the monsters at the end of Cabin in the Woods. Right. Yeah. No, I think it would have been so much more fun. I would have even liked for it to be just like them are a 
they are about to do it and they like jump cut away from it and it's fine and then the next time you cut to the continental it's like fucking destroyed oh yeah that would be great that would have been fun yeah like i feel like they chose the thing that i like about the lore is that what you can do with it is like oh we have these rules here now we can play with them and like we know what the implications are and instead what this movie chose to do is like oh we have a lore okay let's see what kind of bureaucracy we can create around it (laughs) and like what kind of rules they could have broken and yeah it's which is in some things is funny like if this was like fucking Discworld or something where it's like yeah it's like oh a fantasy but let's talk about like oh who's gonna pay you to feed that dragon I've actually never read any Discworld yeah I don't know either but like um it feels like this movie is so split between two headspaces one that's like yeah this is goofy and fun and we're just we're just here to show you the coolest craziest shit we can show you and then also another thing that's just like well, it's time to have a serious debate about what it means to create a society. Yeah. Yeah. I yeah, I just wish they have done more fun things with the world, I guess. But But it seems the ratio of fun to uh, uh dumb bullshit worked better for you than it did for yes, me. Yes. I think so. Because you would not describe it as dumb bullshit. Yeah, I, I, I like the dumb bullshit for the most part. I don't I like the but as I said, I like the dumb bullshit when it leads to like weird discoveries and like situations, mm. which I felt like it did in the previous movie more successfully than it did here. Like in the previous movie when you find out about like the whole like underground network of like these homeless people with pigeons who were like, What? This is crazy, but this is also kinda great. And uh, yeah, like the whole like stuff in what was it, like Italy? Like, all that stuff where he, like, has a suit that's just, like, bulletproof and stuff. Like, all that stuff was really cool. Like, there's, like, a tailor and, like, you get all that stuff. And that was very cool. It felt like in the past two movies they've gotten to the point where they've, like, the series starts with the moment in the first movie where a police officer sees that he's killing a bunch of people and goes, oh, well, um... Yeah. Do what you do, John. Have so a good there day. Are police officers? In this oh, world. you yes, absolutely. <laughs> uh, man, uh, John Wick fans are screaming at the uh, at their iPhone. Well, we got iPhones. there, John Wick fans. <laughs> we got there. But I think it's like they've heightened from that, where it's like, oh yeah. So now it's like, uh, oh, then cabbies are gonna recognize, and doctors are gonna recognize, and every every person is a part of this world. And I think they've gotten to a point where it's like, okay, you've heightened enough. Now just have fun in that world. Mm -hmm. And they're still trying to be like, yeah, but wouldn't it be crazy if like ballerinas were assassins? (laughs) Yeah. Show us them be assassins. Right. Exactly. You've just showed ballerinas with tattoos. I want to see women in tutus running in with AK-47s and doing drop kicks and pirouettes while shooting. Why can't you show me that? (laughs) Well, maybe they will. In John Wick 5. The fourth one <laughs> is still going to be about times. the bureaucracy. Uh, well, so I think we, we... We didn't give a letter grade. Yeah, exactly. So, yeah. all right. On three? Yeah. One, one two, two, three. three. C plus. Okay. Yeah. Well, and with the caveat that if I... If the theater had... The power had gone out in the theater 30 <laughs> minutes into this movie and I had walked out... I would I, I would have been like, well, I'll assume it'll continue along that line. This is an excellent movie. Everyone should go to it. The, a plus. the first 30 minutes of this movie legitimately are some of the most fun uh, in, a, in a big dumb action movie I've had in a while. And I just wish it kept it up. And yeah. maybe that's asking too much. But I don't know. It just especially that middle section is so boring. 
Right. No, I agree with you. I just like, yeah, I think they really wasted like opportunities to do like very interesting things within the world they already built yeah. as opposed to like just introducing new stuff. But yeah, I, I, I did still have a great time. I, I still think it's probably like the weakest of the mm. three, but you know, it's John Wick. It's great. Well, well, there we go. Let's uh, let's go. Uh, why was this the movie that America chose to uh, unseat uh, Endgame with? Uh, well, I mean, it was bound to happen. Mm. Uh, but why was well then? Why, our typical question: Why was this number one? I think it it is having like an interesting arc of like it's growing with each. Yeah, it's uh, it's Fast and the Furious style. Yeah, growing. So I think like. It is, I think it has the appeal of being, now that it's in its third iteration, it's mm. kind of weird to say, of like an original thing. And I think people are excited probably about a franchise for adults. It's R-rated. Yeah. Like that is still exciting and not, you know, visual effect laden. It's still, you know, like practical effects, practical action kind of vibe. Yeah. Uh, so, yeah, I think it's probably just that and the fact that, like, the word of mouth from, like, the previous movies, really. It's sort of like a Breaking Bad thing or something or a Fast and Furious of just, like, people are, oh, this is really good. You should watch it. And then, like, the next one is bigger and bigger and bigger. Yeah, I, I'll say this about the series. They're remarkably consistent. I'll, I I would give this a C plus with moments of A material in there. Mm-hmm. And I would say that about the first and second one as well. So I think if you love those two, you'll probably come close to loving this one as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and Keanu Reeves is great in these movies. I think he's given the least to do in this one. He's kind of just hobbling around. Right. Um, but... You you said earlier that you were uh, you made a joke about one of the people in America who like kind of uh, uh, stopped going to Keanu Reeves movies. I think I think he almost had that like kind of perfect career thing that like Robert Downey Jr. did for different reasons, mm-hmm. obviously. But like Heroin. where where people were like were like oh, okay this well it was a difference. Robert Downey Jr. had uh, a bunch of drug problems, but Keanu Reeves was like people were like oh this guy's not that great. He's overexposed. And then, like, he went away for a bit. And then everyone was just kind of like, you know, I always kind of liked him. And then he just found the perfect vehicle for the perfect moment. Right when people started to miss him, he dropped his Iron Man. And it's just, like, the perfect vehicle for him. And he's clearly having fun with it and putting his all into it. And I think people are responding to that. Yeah. And I think we can discount the fact that it is when it comes to action sequences, super creative. Like, yeah. And at least the non gun ones. Yeah. The non gun ones. I mean, this is uh, the person directing. This was the stunt coordinator for the matrix. Right. Mm. So like, yeah, just like a lot of, so I think people who like the action genre know that like, there is sort of like a dearth of, creative action movies i think you either get like very lame sort of like b-movie bullshit or you get like giant like superhero movies but there are very few movies that are just like a solid action mm-hmm. movie so i can see just people gravitating towards this of like oh this is gonna be a solid good time There are gonna be like a reasonably creative things for me to watch and i mean it is humorous to a point uh it's sort of like in a weird way, sometimes like when it really works, it is like 
I, this is not my comparison, but it is true of just like a Buster Keaton movie of just yeah. like a lot of just like slapstick and like, oh, what's going to happen now? And yeah, it's like it's just it's like watching a good dance performance, but there are also guns and knives. <laughs> Cool. And horses. Uh, cool. Um, all right. So it's our uh, new movie uh, uh, week. So next week we'll be watch. We'll be going back in time uh, for for an oldie. So uh, do you want to introduce the movie? Well, hold on a second. I, I our our format is does our format do uh, new movies episodes? We end with uh, you watched anything else recently? Uh, let's see. What I'm the one who remembered this, and yet I have not watched anything else recently. <laughs> I, uh, so I did watch something, I think, like, for the most of we've been recommending things that we like. Oh. Uh, and, but, so, this is, like, a weird movie to talk about, but I, uh, I watched this movie called The Souvenir. Oh. Um, I saw a trailer for that. So this movie, I, I had such an unpleasant experience watching it. Like, and it's not because the movie is bad. I think the movie is very good about what it's trying to do is that I found it very hard to I, experience. So from my guess from the trailer, this okay. is a movie about a uh, a, a, a privileged uh, young woman who starts an affair with a uh, an older man um, who is in, it's a deeply toxic relationship. That's what I got from the trailer. Yes. I don't know. Do you want me to spoil it a bit more or? Yeah. Uh, well, how, how would you describe it to people? So, uh, so I think like the only thing, like there are no spoilers, but basically mm-hmm. like this, so the relationship is toxic, not only because this man is kind of insufferable and bad, but we also then find out that he is an habitual heroin user. Oh yeah, so, that would be a problem. Yeah. So like the whole time, every like while she's in a relationship with him, it feels like there's almost like I just felt very uncomfortable because I like I really like didn't want her to be in this relationship. And like when like there are times when like obviously in those relationships, like you know, like he goes away or whatever, and then like almost like a cloud would lift, like a weight would lift from my shoulders in a weird way. It was, it was like, it was a hard experience for me to watch that movie for some uh-huh. reason. Um, but it's very well done. Apparently it is autobiographical to an extent. Um, but yeah, it, it looks gorgeous. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's shot on film, so, sort of like very nice and grainy, but it is, it's definitely like, for me personally, it was an ordeal. So I find it a, like a very hard thing to recommend, I guess. Cool, cool, cool. Do you have anything? You know, I other than movies we've uh, watched for this podcast, I haven't watched any other, uh, gotten to see anything else uh, recently. That feels wrong, but I think that's right. I just checked my phone. Um, I don't think I've seen anything Do you want to do a brief uh, minute impression from Game of Thrones? A thing I don't watch, but you do. Uh, no. <laughs> No, I, 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 I feel, hey, listener, I feel about Game of Thrones the same way you do. Let's just go with that. <laughs> I also watched Fleabag. However you felt about Fleabag season two, I feel equal. I need to watch that. I love Fleabag season one. Um, all right. Well, uh, 
Uh, that's it for us in the present. I think we gotta head uh, back into the past. We gotta. This head is how back. we sign off, right? We gotta head back to a galaxy far, far away. Spoilers. <laughs> We're <laughs> tune in next week. We're going to 1999 to watch the Phantom Menace, oh, Star Wars, Episode One. Um, and listeners, uh, this will be the first time I've seen it since I was 12. And Veronica, uh, give them a tease. Uh, how many times have you seen a Phantom Menace? Uh, I've seen it just the one, and it was yesterday. <laughs> um, and how many Star Wars movies have you seen uh, other than this one? One. <laughs> so this is your second Star Wars movie. This is my second Star Wars um, So tune in next week where Veronica attempts to do a plot synopsis for the most easily, easy to oh, summarize right. Star Wars movie, The Phantom Menace. Toot, oh. toot away. Toot, toot. <laughs>